Hi, I'm Ellen Richards, and today's leadership quote is, if your actions create a legacy that inspires others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, then you are an excellent leader. And that's from uh, Dolly Parton. The Leader Assistant Podcast exists to encourage and challenge assistants to become confident, game-changing leader assistants. Are you tasked with ordering food for your office? Let me tell you about Easy Cater. With over 100,000 restaurants to choose from nationwide and 24-7 customer support, Easy Cater helps assistants like you and me succeed at work and makes our lives easier. Visit easycater.com slash leader assistant to find out more. Hey friends, welcome to the Leader Assistant Podcast. It's your host, Jeremy Burrows, and this is episode 256. You can check out the show notes at leaderassistant.com slash 256, leaderassistant.com slash 256. Six. And today I'm excited to be speaking with Ellen Richards. Ellen, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to be here. And what part of the world are you in? I am currently seated in Brooklyn, New York. Nice. And where are you from? That that area or Brooklyn, New York. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Born and raised. <laughs> nice. Uh what's your favorite uh food in that area? My mother's cooking. <laughs> oh, okay. So, like, what's your favorite item uh, from your mother's uh, cooking? I mean, not to sound like a weasel, but, like, anything she cooks is generally delicious. And, you know, people say, like, when I lived away from New York and I would come to New York, I'm like, what kind of food are you going to go eat? And I was like, straight to my mom's. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's good food here. But, I mean, she does a mix of cooking that... Um, over the years, it's been a blend of Southern and also Cuban cuisines because my dad was a Cuban. Okay. Awesome. Good deal. Well, next time I'm in New York, I'll have to uh, come over for dinner. Oh, come on by. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about your career then. What? Uh, how did you end up landing in the executive assistant role? Well, after... Um, a few years, because I've always worked. I've probably worked since I was about 14. And um, when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do with myself, and I didn't feel like college was necessarily my route, I was looking at things and fell into a couple. But um, I had a cousin, or I have a cousin, I mean, she's still alive, um, who was a, a legal secretary. And she attended um, a secretarial school. And at the time, it was the biggest or most famous in the country, Catherine Gibbs. And she suggested that I attend. So after attending and doing well, I then started my career as um, a secretary, because at the time, the title executive assistant did not exist. So I I started working at a small <laughs> accounting firm run by a couple of brothers. And uh, that launched me from there. I mean, I've gone from accounting to manufacturing to public relations for a good stretch. I was there about 20 years and then into technology and just all over the place. 
Nice. And what's your, what, what's maybe something that as you got into the role, um, and we'll talk a little bit about the evolution of the role. Um, but what's something as you got into it that really was like, Ooh, this is, this is for me. This is fun. I like this. Yeah. What, what did it for me was that I was always allowed to take on as much as I was capable of doing. There was always something to be done. Um, now when I started my career, I, I started out in a place that, yes, it was entry level, but it didn't feel like entry level. Like I jumped, I got dumped right into the pool. <laughs> and funny story, when I started that job with the accountants, um, they had a, a new piece of software that I had briefly learned in secretarial school called Word. And um <laughs> I saw it for like a, a I've few heard of it. minutes. I've heard of it. <laughs> Have you heard of it? I don't know. It might be something people know about. Um, but the one that was primarily the software we learned was WordPerfect, which you don't mm-hmm. see anywhere anymore. I remember it. Yeah. So I got confused. Word, WordPerfect. They were like, do you know how to use this thing? Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. I got there and it was Word. And I freaked out in my mind, but they never knew it because guess what <laughs> I did? I went to Barnes and Noble. I found a quick start manual and I figured out how to use words. So so all of that to say that this is the kind of position that has allowed me to learn many, many things and to do many, many things that I don't know that I would have outside of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's great. Great story. Thanks for sharing. I remember word perfect back in the day. And it was like, so I remember there was like word started getting to be where everybody was using it. But then I mm-hmm. worked with someone that was like, Oh no, I still use word perfect. And I was just like, what in the world? Oh yeah. I, I got so good at, um, you know, using word perfect, uh, that, you know, I was doing all kinds of things, but then by the time I ran into word and, you know, I was the out the office expert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and if those, anybody listening, uh, has no idea what word perfect is, um, you know, they can just have fun with their OneDrive and their Google Docs, right? And they can Google it and see if they can find it. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, what's been maybe one of the biggest challenges throughout your career as an assistant? Well, the biggest barrier um, or challenge, I would say, um, has not been in my lack of enthusiasm for something, but it's others not necessarily seeing what I see or allowing me the opportunity to do what I want to do, or see someone in this role as, oh, that's just the assistant. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been the most challenging thing. But I have to say over the years, it has gotten better as people, more and more people become educated about what um, the people who are engaged in direct executive support do. Um, and sometimes the challenge is, not just attitudes, but resources as to, you know, those, there's going to be a limit to what you can do. Um, uh, if you don't, if you're not properly resourced so that, uh, you have to be kind of scrappy. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, um, you know, we talked about the, you said you you mentioned secretary when you started. So, and I was looking at your LinkedIn, you know, you, you had the executive assistant title, you had executive business partner title. So tell us a little bit about the evolution of the role that yeah. you've seen over the years and even just simply the titles. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first started out, like I mentioned, we were secretaries and I graduated from Catherine Gibbs as an executive secretary. And um, there, the title came along, I would say, very at the beginning of my career. And I read a book by Melba Duncan, uh, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. Um, and that changed my whole perspective on what administrative support could be. And um, as I moved through my career and the, the title secretary dropped off, I don't remember exactly when it happened, mm-hmm. but it just disappeared one day. <laughs> and um, I was an account coordinator um, at probably some point at the beginning of my career. Um, then I was an administrative assistant that morphed into executive assistant. Um, I was an administrative manager. And then I moved into an executive business partner, which is the first time I had heard that phrase when I moved into the tech sector. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's that title proliferates pretty much in that sector, but not as much as you might think. But that was companies, I, I think, gaining a better understanding of the opportunities and uh, competencies in this role. And, you know, so I've moved in and out of those titles. Um, yeah. yeah. So to me, um, it's nice to see the reflection and to see the changes in all these years coming from, you know, learning how to type on a manual typewriter to what we have today. (laughs) Right. Do you think that the, you know, you mentioned earlier, oh, you know, the, the kind of attitude of you're just an assistant. Mm -hmm. Do you think the title changes over the years changed any of that? Or was it more about the, the, executive or the colleague versus the title. Right. I think it had less to do with the title and more to do with who's in the title and who is surrounding the title. Like who are you supporting and what is their understanding? How have you been able to educate them on what the role is? And then, you know, at that level, it's each one teach one. So if you get your executive straight on what it is that you do, and they see what you do, then they go forward to their colleagues, you know, in a perfect world, this is how it works, sometimes it doesn't. They go forward to their colleagues and they say, hey, no, listen, you know, Ellen's not just anything. She's the one that's saving me on a daily basis, you know, from all kinds of things. So it, it ebbs and flows and I see a lot of changes, but I see a lot of steps backwards. And that can be a little disheartening um, when you've been in the game as long as I have. Mm. What's, what's an example of yeah something that you've seen that you feel like it's a step backward? Well, I've seen that, a lot of that lately. Like I would say in the last year or so, especially when this market started to crater and um, like it really started to get desperate out there. I have seen some going backward in the sense of, what the expectations um, employers and perhaps these executives that are behind these roles have as to what 
an executive assistant or executive business partner or someone with an admin title does. But it doesn't, I feel still like, here's the hopeful part in me, that still feels that there are enough people who are getting it or got it, you know, due to all the advocacy that's being done out there. You know, what I do, what definitely what you do and what your 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 contemporaries are doing out there in the world to get the message out. It's not just anything. Mm-hmm. It is a career. It is a profession. We are your colleagues. Yeah. Yeah, well said. So then speaking of career, uh, you know, I always ask my guests beforehand what topics they want to talk about. And one of them is that you you uh, submitted was career pivots. So mm-hmm. let's talk about career pivots and why did you select that? Uh, I looks like you may have had a career pivot uh, yourself. So just, yeah, talk through the uh, career yeah. pivot. Are you ready to elevate your career in 2024? I'm Maggie Olson, founder of Nova Chief of Staff Certification, the first of its kind online course for aspiring and existing chiefs of staff. With curriculum taken directly from on-the-job responsibilities, Nova's self-paced learning modules provides you with hands-on experience so you can feel competent and confident moving into a chief of staff style role. It's the perfect next step for executive assistants. Head to leaderassistant.com slash Nova to learn more, grab the syllabus, and enroll today. I've selected pivots because that's really what's alive and well in my world right now. Um, In 2021, I uh, came out of a position and, um, you know, after a few things went on that I had to make a decision. I was at a crossroads. Well, what do I want to do? Do I want to get back into executive support or want to do something else? And I always had in my mind and through my career, I've always tried to be the person who, you know, uh, coaches or advocates or, you know, was always trying to make my colleagues better and myself better because we're only as strong as our weakest link, right? So if somebody is falling down on the team, it's not for me to go on the admin team I'm talking about, it's not for me to say, oh, well, they'll figure it out. <laughs> no, I have to help you because something's mm-hmm. going on. And if we don't, you know, we rise to the level, what do they say? Boats all rise to the same water level or something the, like that. Yeah, the wave or whatever. Yeah. Right. I'm getting <laughs> rising whatever. tide lifts all boats, something like that. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Thank you. <laughs> but um, the pivot came with me deciding that um, I would go to coaching school because I, what I saw on executive teams was that every executive that I supported, supported who, you know, was a high performer and, you know, making their way in their particular industry or in their company had an executive coach. Now here we are working with these, these leaders, um, senior leaders, C-suite folks. um, But we don't receive any coaching that the company is willing to pay for or, you know, see anything about our growth and development. And most companies that I had seen up until that point, the growth and development aspect was a little, a little limited. It was like, you want to learn how to do an Excel spreadsheet? We've got a course for you, you know, but not taking into account the fact that if I didn't already know how to use Excel, like, like, like at an advanced level, I probably wouldn't be there. So 
that pivot took me to coaching school, like I said, and and afterwards I came out and I decided that um, I would try to put into action all the things that I have been thinking about all these years. I've worked with some fantastic executive assistants and executive business partners and admin teams, and things are going pretty great. Um, but then it is like, like the needle on the record. And the business, as far as the coaching went, became more of a trickle than a faucet. I mean, like a, a full-on turn the taps on. And I had to look at this and say, while I do love this, and while I still think this is valuable, I need to put a pin in it and get myself back into the workforce. So that mm-hmm. was the second pivot on the pivot, you know? Okay, okay. And so with that pivot, came a whole mindset shift because it's like, well, I made this pivot. I made this big deal about I'm doing this thing. And now here I am back again at the old thing. So it it was getting my mind wrapped around the fact that there's no shame in making a pivot. There's no shame in coming back to point A, even if you've went to point B, C, D, and Q and came back. Mm-hmm. And it is a career that has sustained me for over 30 years, one that I love. So why wouldn't I come back to that? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So then what, what, where are you at now then? What's your current, uh, current pivot? (laughs) Well, I'm in the market um, looking for, you know, the next executive partnership that I can get into And I'm being very deliberate. And thankfully, I have the privilege to take this time and uh, figure out how and what I want to do next. Mm -hmm. Because it is important to me to, you know, it is a relationship. And so it's important for me to know who I'm getting in this relationship with. Why am I getting into this relationship? Is this something I even want to do? Because I have a certain amount, I have a certain criteria that I'm like uh, definitely looking for as far as my next adventure. And I guess first and foremost, it has to be something that I feel I will be learning because that's very important to me is to be learning in whatever it is that I do mm-hmm. and solving problems that are, you know, not problems like opportunities to 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 design solutions to interesting areas of uh you know maybe a point of tension for somebody or pain point for someone mm-hmm. and so i'm looking at like companies or people that i even that i know and what they're doing and i'm like well what is that about is that something i'm interested in so that's where i'm at i'm still kind of in the phase of job hunting so okay so what you know, that's a great transition to kind of the last topic I wanted to cover that you brought up was resilience in job seeking. Um, how, what have you done to, you know, stick with it and stay positive? I mean, it can be very, very disheartening, uh, downright depressing sometimes. Um, you know, like, feels like all hope is lost. You have interviews, you don't have interviews, then you get a bunch of interviews and then nobody calls you back. And it's just, you know, what, what have you done to stay resilient? 
Yeah, this market is harrowing. And in the 30 some odd years that I've been doing this, I have never seen a market like this before. Um, and it is easy to lose hope. And there are some days where I, I feel like, ugh, why am I doing this? But the bottom line is, you know, there's a purpose and there's a reason why, because, you know, I need to get back in it. But in the face of all those things, what I have to do at times is take breaks from it. Because I don't know about anyone else out there who's job seeking. You've probably changed your resume about 500 times like I have, writing custom cover letters to everything that you do, uh, shaking the trees of your network and all of that. But if you think about this job hunting like a job, you have to build in breaks for yourself. If you were on a job, wouldn't you take a vacation? You can still do that here in different ways. I'm not saying you need to go and, you know, go lay out on the Riviera. I mean, that's great if you can afford to do that. <laughs> but I mean, something simple like I had to cut down my time on LinkedIn to certain times during the day because I found myself constantly there and on other job boards, searching, 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 scrolling, scrolling, searching, searching, reading all the conflicting advice out there about one what, what, what job seekers should be doing at this point. You could drive yourself crazy. So the building in breaks, taking time out to do things that you find joyful, like what's whether that's taking a walk. I mean, I do that sometimes. Whether that is, you know, reading a book that has nothing to do with business or making sure that you plan out your day to some degree. Because whether we like it or not, when you have a job that gives you structure. And so when there's no job present or, you know, you haven't built out a way to spend your time, it can feel you can feel rudderless and time can feel endless and then that's easy to slip into all sorts of mindsets that are not healthy now i'm a person who lives with anxiety and depression and if i don't find ways for myself to be engaged um, and not hyper focusing on something then i'm going to be in trouble so mm -hmm. i have creative outlets that's another way that I keep myself resilient. I spend time with my friends, whether it's on the phone, on Zoom, or in person, you know, when it's possible. Um, go ahead and spend time with a three-year-old and that'll change your life, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so things like that and, and not devoting all of my waking hours to thinking about, worrying about, the fact that, you know, I haven't succeeded in um, securing a position for myself. Hmm. That's super helpful. Thank you for sharing and, and being honest there. What, you know, you mentioned in your bio that you um, are a professionally trained chef. Yes. And uh, so I wondered if that was one of the outlets that you <laughs> go to yeah. as well. I have been getting more into... Um, cooking um as far as like using that as a meditative in a way to be distracting um and you know my family has benefited from that <laughs> <laughs> um i don't i don't cook oh you know 
it's not like a seven course meal every day, but it's, it's a way to get outside of my head. And if I can get outside of my head, whatever that activity is, it's good for me. Yeah. Um, Another one that has gotten me outside of my head is I went back to school. Nice. And yeah, I'm currently pursuing my um, BA in art history because it's a subject that I love. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, if, if I could just mention one more thing before you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Is the biggest thing above all is, and I, this might sound corny, it's a practice of gratitude. I have been giving more and more um, of my time to, like, if I'm having a really bad day where I'm like, this, everything is terrible. I'm never getting anywhere. I'm a failure, whatever. I don't. I stop and I say to myself, but what is going right? What is going well? What's that? What one thing happened today that I liked? Yeah. Doesn't have to be extensive. It can be something that simple. Noticing, oh, this is how I'm thinking. But what's behind that? Is any of these things that my brain is cranking out actually true? That's great. Yeah, the the gratitude thing, you know, one of my favorite questions to ask and to ask myself and to ask others is, you know, what's one thing you're thankful for or what are you grateful for? Mm-hmm. And it's just a simple question, good icebreaker, but it really uh, doesn't have to get too deep, but it really does help with perspective and yes. remind us that, oh, you know what, even if this over here is not going so great right now, there's still this over here that I'm grateful for. Right. It doesn't mean all abandon all hope at this point. Just, you know, everything's terrible because even in the midst of the most terrible thing you've ever gone through, everything's still not bad. Something was working Mm -hmm. and you have survived up until this point, a hundred percent of the things that have tried to take you down. So put that in your basket. (laughs) Awesome. Love it. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's been great uh, encouragement to to chat with you. And um, is there anywhere that you would uh, point people to if they want to reach out and say hi and connect? Sure. Um, LinkedIn is a good spot to to grab me at. Um, And also, if you want to go take a look at the library, that's thelibrary.com. That's my, uh, you know, my coaching and consulting business website. And I want to thank you, Jeremy, for uh, being generous enough to open up your platform and ask us to move out of our comfort zones and, and do something that's different. And I think that's going to be definitely the theme for 2024. So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you so much, Ellen. And uh, best of luck to you. And I hope to uh, share some good food in Brooklyn, New York with you someday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Come on down. Please review on Apple Podcasts. GoBullows.com